Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacks as Fathers. Me, Robert. Man like Mo. Smash Brothers today. Smash Bros out here. Come he on. is not here. His, his throat is broken. Yeah. <laughs> Come like Mike Tyson. Yo, a bit too Got much in there. <laughs> too much action in his throat. Mud. Oh. Mud. R.P.R. Do better. Don't worry, fam. Do better. Don't worry, fam. <laughs> now, let me just turn up my mic a bit. We won't judge you too, too much. Turn with the micro bit. One, two, one, two. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, no, that's Yeah, that's much better. Cool. All right, yeah, so no Peter this week. Um, me and Moses holding it down. Can I just say, on Tuesday, I babysat for Moses. He went out, he went out with Jamelia. He came back. Come on. Um, he came back, and then we watched Catchphrase together. And I just loved that. It was so much Aww. fun doing Catchphrase with you guys. Aww. Yeah. Catchphrase is one of the underrated shows, man. Yes, no, it was it was dope just sitting with you and Jaya, um, just talking and stuff. And I was mad like at the end when you're about to get get ready to leave. Me and Jaya got into it even more. Yeah, uh, but it was nice. It was nice. It's yeah. nice spending time. Guys. I wish we could do it more often. We need to find find a way to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm down. I'm down, man. But children need feel like they need to come and get in the way of everything. <sighs> Fam, don't worry, man. You lot might come. Your turn might come soon. Well, these times they'll grow up and then leave you in a in a old people's home. <laughs> um, my uh, kids. Streets are cold, bro. Streets are cold. Cool. All right. One for one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. Want to go first? No, nah, you can do your thing. Cool. So on Tuesday, Tuesday as well, had a training session at work. Um, disability awareness training. Oh. Yeah. Um, it was inspired by one of um. My colleagues who has disabilities, and she called um, uh, an artist to come in who was just, had disabilities too, and just came was talking about disabilities and all that good stuff. Mm. And one of the things she was talking about was like ableism, mm-hmm. and this idea that people who do not have disabilities like look down on people who have disabilities as if they are lesser or whatnot because you know something is not yeah complete. yeah <laughs> and then the, the artist that came she said that something that happens to her a lot is, is people coming up to her and saying oh can we pray for you <laughs> oh and I was like, <laughs> and then she was talking about how you know um just because she has a disability doesn't mean that she is lesser then mm. someone who doesn't have a disability. Mm-hmm. And so it got me thinking. So the question is, um, yeah, and, and and that people with disabilities shouldn't be seen as lesser or that their life would be better if they didn't have a disability. Mm. And that was just her point of view. And so the question is, you know, as a Christian, you know, we, we might want to go around praying for people to have, to have healing and stuff. But how do we do so in a, in a way that is not ableist? That is a very fascinating point of view. Very fascinating point of view. And one that, to be honest, I haven't considered. And I guess that is that falls into the ableism camp as well. Just almost assuming that if there is a disability, the person is like, surely you would want to be better. You would want to be like one of us. Um, almost like being like one of us is 
the best thing for you. Yeah. Um, and that is making an assumption on that person's behalf. Um, which again is an assumption that most people will make. So yeah, that 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 is a very good challenge. Um and I think that like at first I thought or uh, just like like the act of asking if it was okay to pray was nice, but then even the act of asking can be seen as ableist to some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I guess it may it may almost be a case of um I guess the the majority of cases that we see in the Bible, the people with the disability or who are demon possessed or whatever ran up to either Jesus or the disciples, mm. the apostles. They they came forward for it. There were different occasions where, like when at the beginning of Acts, when they went to Solomon's Gate, and the guy was excuse me. The guy was sitting asking for arms, and Peter and John, I believe, were like, Silver, we don't have, but what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Um, and he stood up and he walked around praising God. There were instances where people were just healed. Um, and even when Paul was going to Rome and he went to the island of Malta, the man, the chief of the island was laying sick and Paul went and prayed for him and laid hands on him mm. and he was healed it didn't say that they asked for it but he offered it um and so yeah I think I think so in in that case I think there's when you're offering it there should be a level of discernment just praying to see if the Holy Spirit is leading you there in the first place um but then it begs the question of how do you um how do you ask? Um, and I guess, how do you ask without assuming that this person would want healing? Um, or even is ready for healing? Mm. So it may, it may be a case of rather than just going in with the question, do you want healing? Having a conversation with the person beforehand. And then, what you say? And then there's also the thing of, Let's say you say, oh, can I pray for you? Pray for them. And then nothing happens. Like, where's the aftercare that accompanies that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just awkward. It's just like, oh, well, nothing happened. See you soon. Um, <laughs> See you probably. So not. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have any faith. I'll let you sit in that. And again, that that is that is the that is, that is the flip side of the coin. So I think initially we'll be having a conversation with the person and just seeing taking an interest in a person beyond just wanting to see them healed, taking an interest in a person to kind of see their perspective. If the person is willing to engage in a conversation, see where the person is coming from, see their perspective, see how they feel about their disability and stuff. Um, and almost asking if there was a way that they could, that they could be restored from that disability, if they'll be up for it and then offering prayer as a potential. Um, and yeah, if, if you're like, I believe my God can heal you, like, right, yeah, do your thing. You pray and nothing happens. So it's like, oh, well, 
Yeah. False guard. <laughs> no, no one's there. It's like, I, I don't know how you would respond afterwards. Um, unless you caveat the prayer with, oh, this may not work. But if you do that, then it's like, where's your faith? Where's your faith? <laughs> it's mad. It's so mad. And again, this is why, like, discernment is key. Um because even Jesus, it was like there are phrase, there are phrases in the Bible where it says the power of God was upon him to heal, like in specific instances. Um so yeah, I think I think that there is a level of discernment that that has to be cultivated. And I think um in praying with people, we should treat them as people and not tick boxes or like milestones. I pray for 200 people today or whatever but like how many people do you actually remember their names remember their stories remember who like if we actually took care of the individual mm. the numbers may drop from 200 to about 20 but at least you know that you had a good solid conversation and potentially an impact on 20 lives um yeah yeah you, know, you, just, you just, just just have to be careful not to see people as victims yeah that's a really good question. Yeah. That's a really good question. And not not even from the flip side of what if it doesn't happen, but how do you interact with an individual um, without it making it almost seem like you're looking down on them or approaching them from a place of privilege? Yeah. But yeah, more so empathy. Yeah. And like one thing the lady was saying, another thing was that, you know, with disabilities, every able person can one day become disabled because of something yeah. that happens in their life. Facts. So you just need to be careful of your high horse because one day... If, um, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. It's crazy. That one's there is mad. And you know, like, I think like thinking about stuff like that is why when I go to the gym, I don't... I don't... Um, I don't do squats too, too tough. Mm. <laughs> so I don't end up breaking my back. <laughs> Bro, do you know what? Yeah, funny story. Peter and I were banging gym, yeah. And this was in the heyday when we were squatting our heaviest. I think we were squatting about 220 kg. Oh, flip. Yeah. We're squatting about 220 kg. And neither of us were using belts. So, like, we were spotting each other and them things there, but we weren't using belts. What did the belt then, do? So, the belt helps tighten your core. Okay. Because you need your core engaged when you're when you're squatting. So the belt helps tighten it to keep it engaged. So it's yeah, there's an extra level of engagement as you're as you're squatting. So we weren't using the belts, we were squatting the 220. I think we pushed it to like 240, but that's not the point of the story. Um as we were squatting, this one guy came past and was like, Raw, like you man are putting in work. We're like, Yeah, 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 we are. And he goes, Raw, like but you need to make sure you take care of your body, you know, like put on a belt or something. You don't want to end up like me. The guy was with a, in, walking with a walking stick. Oh. And I saw the look on Peter's face. The next day we were in the gym, he had a belt. <laughs> <laughs> he had a belt. And I was like, raw. I was like, yeah, I'm not going on that route. <laughs> I was like, what it takes is one time. All it takes is one time. Literally, all it takes is one time. I had a... So when I was doing karate time ago, 
I was sparring this big man and I was having him up. I feel like I was kickboxing and I was having him up. And the guy got vexed and jumped on my back. <laughs> like he jumped on my back and I felt myself just like hunch over. And I was like, yo, like, bro, you really could have done some spinal damage simply because I'm having you up in sparring. Like, what sort of pettiness is this? Yeah. So, yeah, it literally only takes one time and it isn't even the gym thing. Like, yeah, I've heard so many stories and it's, it's wild. That's crazy. But, yeah, even, even with the gym stuff, I've, I've decided to, to circle myself and, and stick to kettlebells and stuff. Mm. I need to get back into it. Though. I've slapped off on my, off my gym work. I need to get back into it. Yeah. Let's be careful. All right. Are you happy with the answer? Yeah, I am. Oh, also, I, I I just want to add, you know, you can, I feel like you can pray for healing for someone without actually having to lay hands on them. You know? Yeah. 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 Pray from a distance if, if you don't feel like the interaction will go well. If, if, if you're generally seeking for them to be healed and not mm. get the, oh, my days, I'm healed. Kind of yeah, one, yeah, you know? yeah. Not the hype. But I guess the question may then be, um, how will God be glorified if someone is just healed? Well, I mean, if one day uh, you've got one liver, next day, no, like one lung, the next day you've got two healthy lungs. <laughs> like it, that mean, wasn't the paracetamol. That wasn't the paracetamol that did that. <laughs> it wasn't morphine going to do that for you. But then it's like, how, how do they know that it's associated with Jesus and not Buddha or Krishna or something like that? Well, 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 well when it comes to Buddha and Krishna, I, at least I don't think that in those doctrines, there's any healings like that. Mm. What, about, what about Allah in terms of Islam? Uh, I don't know enough about is- Islam to, to, to know whether like healing and stuff happens like that. Because they, it's an Abrahamic faith. So Judaism, Islam and Christianity, they're all Abrahamic faiths. Mm. So the Old Testament is very similar, if not the same. Um, so there will be signs of or tales of miraculous healings and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, and were there much healings in the Old Testament like that? I mean, in terms of like um, the prophets, I know that the prophets, so Jesus almost, not almost, Jesus did replicate pretty much everything all the prophets did. Okay. And then some. Um. So, yeah, he replicated everything in terms of um, Elijah and Elisha walking on water. Jesus mm. did that for banner. Um, the woman with the... Um, the woman whose oil didn't run out, obviously, for Jesus, it wasn't oil, but, like, water into wine, like, this yeah. provision in miraculous ways. There was a guy who his bones, who was dead, and he was thrown into a prophet's t- um, burial tomb. And when his bones touched the prophet's bones, he, he was raised to dead, raised to life, raised to dead, you know, mad. But Jesus um, touched a widow's son when he was being carried out and he came back to life. And so, yeah, like most of the, yes. And even the woman who's, um, who Elijah went to, um, after being fed by the ravens when the famine came and she said she only had a little bit of wheat and oil she was going to make bread yeah. and die like jesus took uh, fish and bread 
and fed 5,000, like this miraculous stretching of food. Um, so yeah, for the most part, most of the miracles that the Old Testament prophets did, Jesus replicated and, and then some, but there wasn't that many in the Old Testament. I do, I do remember a lot of um, the prophets doing something, not a lot of them, a few of them did stuff miraculously. But yeah, mm. Jesus is almost like the culmination of all of them and then some. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, I'm happy with that. Um, so my question is derived from our conversation on Tuesday. Um, how would you... Um, advise or yeah just help someone who is trying to navigate what god has called them to do just in terms of their vocation or their job um yeah like how would you how would you help them navigate that Mm. i think first i would ask if they feel like god has a special calling Mm. on their life Mm -hmm. you know in terms of whether God has called them to do something specific like go into full-time ministry mm. or be a missionary. Um, something that almost like takes you away from like quote unquote mainstream vocation. Yeah. Um, and I think if they felt like they they may have that kind of calling, I would say go and test it first. <laughs> Unless God's told you to like go and drop everything. I don't think there's a harm in like going to test it out, you know. Mm. If you feel like God's called you to be a missionary, maybe go somewhere for like two weeks or a month. Yeah. See how you find the see, see what the experience is like, see what God's telling you in that season. Um, if you feel like God said, you know, go become a pastor. Um before you go run away. <laughs> well, well, before you go and start in, in like missionary school and stuff, you know. Um Go and ask your pastor questions. See if there's see, see if there's any um, anything you can do within the church to maybe get some experience to see how it feels like. Mm. Like I know for me, uh, when I was at Salvation Army, I wanted to see if preaching was something for me. Mm. And so um, every month, uh, my pastor allowed me to preach a sermon, mm. and then they'd give me feedback based on my sermon. They'd, they'd also give me like feedback before the Sunday, so like I'd, I'd, I'd practice it with them and then they give me um, they'd give me feedback on it and, cool. yeah um, yeah so and, and from that experience uh, I wouldn't say that like it's my calling to be like a full-time preacher but if I was asked to preach I could mm. sort of thing uh, yeah so if it's not a specific role um, well, if if it's a specific role, go and test it out first, and then, mm. and then if you feel like God's giving you confirmation and uh, through how you feel about it and through other people, then go for it and just like wait on Him and just follow His 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 lead on it. Um, if you don't feel like you have that kind of quality in your life, um, unless you feel God leading you to like a specific job or a specific sector. Mm. Um, find a job where you're not compromising um, your faith as a Christian in doing so 
Um, I you know don't go and become um, a pole dancer. Come on, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're ministering. You're ministering from the pole. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> you see, you should be ministering from the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, just like find something that you enjoy doing, some some, some something that stimulates you, mm. something that allows you to use your giftings. Mm. And even if it doesn't, you know, there there is ministry you can do outside of work. But like if you're in that position where it lines up, or like mm. it like it like it like into into something, cool. If it doesn't cool too you know mm. the work that you do doesn't define your christianity facts but your christianity should define the work that you do come on buzz yeah <laughs> buzz um, yeah not like that yeah. um so so you would almost get them to start with a traditional um by uh exploring traditional ministry and then moving out from that yeah why why that specific order? Um, I think because for most people it's easier that way. Like if if you're going to a church, you have access to be able to serve in different capacities to like mm. to like see if it's something that you like. Mm. Because some people might say, oh, "Yeah, I'm called to be a ministry, a, a missionary." These times you're getting homesick when you're when you're in the airplane. <laughs> when it's the airport, oh, I want to go home. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I hear so, you. yeah. And, like, I think it's that there'll be very rare, rare cases where God told you to do something that is a complete 180 from who you are and what you are as a yeah. person. Yeah. And, like if, and, like, if he has... Go and get the confirmation first. Because <laughs> it's easy to miss here. Um, but if you feel like you've got the confirmation, then... Um, God will be faithful in, in like making sure that you're able to do what you feel like it's called you to do. Mm. And like, even if you hear wrong, you know, God still gets the glory. You still move that in faith. Your faith grows as a result of, of that experience. And then it's just on to the next thing. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think having worked in a church and having trained towards ordination and stuff, yeah, I think I was I would approach it slightly differently. Um okay. I think I think the approach is will be as varied as there are human beings. Everyone will kind of approach it slightly differently. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't particularly make a distinction between ministry in the church and ministry outside. Um I think I may approach it from a a skills um prayerfully doing like a skills and passions audit just to kind of see all right what are you interested in what are you enthusiastic about um and just just like vomit all of it out mm. not trying to make sense of it just vomit all of it out and prayerfully just um as you do that just kind of see what roles or what spaces allows you to connect some of those dots in a way that is feels meaningful and purposeful yeah. um, and because you're doing it prayerfully hopefully there will be this sense of like leadership mm. um latching on to okay cool so it's like i really enjoy um 
I really enjoy gathering people together and seeing them laugh or blah, 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 then that may sound like hospitality and events. And then even as you're saying, are there spaces in which we can test these out to kind of see these expressions and church may be the primary place to be like, oh, see if you can help organize a church event. Yeah. See how that happens and stuff. Um, or if it's, I really like speaking to people and just saying, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's it, it, like sharing the gospel preaching. Like, and then, all right, cool. Let's see if we can like rustle something up there, even if it's just talking in a youth group or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a prayerful combing through a, like a skills audit mm. and, and, and like passions and stuff. And then we kind of seeing what comes out and what shapes that these can take. Um, but you're right in that um, there is type of like room for trial and error, room for knowing that the skills that you're picking up as you're doing these trials and errors aren't necessarily being wasted. Um, yeah. So long as what you're trying isn't directly against your faith or your convictions or doesn't do you physical harm, physical, mental, emotional, psychological harm, doesn't do you like actual harm. Um, then you're good to kind of explore. Hmm. Here's a question for you. Like, what would you do in the situation? Hmm. So I heard this story, um, life insurance stuff, right? Hmm. So like this lady like took her life insurance um, with, with like the plans that like once she passed on, the money would go to her daughters. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, but then to, for the, for the, uh, for the payout to happen, you had to have the cover for at least a year. Mm. Right? Now, the woman died one day before it was a year's time. Stress. And so, because of the rules of the company, they didn't give the money out to the daughters. Mm. So, as, as a Christian, what would you do in that situation? Would you follow the rules of the company or would you try and help? these daughters who are one grieving for their mother yeah like they need the money to help pay for like funeral expenses yeah. I, I, I would try to help I would try to help I would advocate for even if not the full sum um, a partial payment mm. um, I would advocate on their behalf to be like yo like at least give them a partial payment to help with like funeral arrangements and everything like that. Um, it's the day before. Like if her mum had just held on for like until midnight, where it ticked over, like it would have been, it would have been fine. Um, so at least let's give them if, if not a full amount, a partial amount. Um, I think it will also depend on my position within the company and how much change and influence I believe I have. Mm. Um, if I'm just like at the counters pushing through papers and stuff then I know that I don't really have much influence and I won't be able to speak to the relevant people. Um, I'll, I'll still make noise to like whoever's around me, but I, w- I would feel as though my influence was very limited. But if I was like a branch manager or whatever, then, or higher than that, then I'll be like, all right, I may be able to make a bit more noise. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how far I would fight, because even if they said no, there are practical things that we can do in terms of starting to go fund me, berating the company, like whatever. Um, but berating the company would almost ensure that I lose my job. Yeah. 
so yeah it's like I don't know how far I would go not being in that situation but I think I would I would try to get them to do that what would you do I think I'd try the same I think I'd do it on behalf of the people mm. yeah because yeah. I know like the company's got its laws and it's, it's got the laws in place so that they don't have to pay out as much as as, as much as possible so from like a business standpoint they'll probably look at me like <laughs> we're a profit making company <laughs> we facts, try to make money facts. ain't got time for sympathy here facts but I don't know as a Christian I don't think I could just be like oh sorry he didn't meet the threshold yeah uh, yeah I, f- I think I may struggle in that job to be fair like yeah. even when I, was, when I was working in Sainsbury's, um, after I came to Faith, I wasn't able to work in the kiosk. I wasn't able to sell cigarettes because mm. it just went against my convictions. And I used to be in the kiosk all the time. Came came, came a Christian, I started to realize that, yo, like it's, it's really rubbing against my convictions. And I went to my supervisor, I was like, oh, do you want to go kiosk? I was like, I can't go. He was like, why? I was like, oh, it's my faith. And he immediately said, you're not Muslim. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. But still, I don't want to sell someone something that I know is slowly killing them. I can't do it. Um, haram, thankfully, bro. Fam. Straight haram. But <laughs> thankfully, he he understood and it was like, all right, cool. So ever since then, I didn't go into the kiosk. Um, but you know, there'll be some bosses out there that'll say, bro, get on the kiosk or you're fired. This is it. Do you know, I, I had a... I had a a bus actually when I started uni I was finished I think I was working on a Wednesday and I was finishing uni late on a Wednesday and I started my shift at six I think I finished at six or five o'clock and I wasn't able to get to uni for my, the start of my shift and I was saying to the manager yo I need to change my shift because I'm in uni right now and I can't make it and the bus was legit like well you need to pick uni or, or you need to pick work or uni which one do you want <laughs> And I'm like, are you dumb? So he was like, well, you still need to come in. So I literally started coming in for like, eight. it was a six till 10 shift. I would come in for eight and leave at 10. <laughs> and, and they were like, you're two hours late. I was like, I'm coming from uni. Like, what, what do you expect me to do? I told you, man, I need to change my shift. But you might not changing it. So I'm here for two hours and I'm going back home. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they try to run the disciplinary and all of them things there. I was like, yo, my man over there, the waste man said, I can't, like, he's not changing it. I still need to come in. And I had another manager that said, just come in late and just do your thing. And then that manager was like, no, I didn't say that. I was, and I realized I was throwing him under the bus. I was like, oh, no, you didn't, so mad. <laughs> but then I was like, yo, I'm in at this time, I'm out. I need to change the shift. So yeah, they eventually changed it. But yeah, some managers are moving mad. Some yeah. managers move mad, especially in like convenience stores. Wow. The power goes to their head. Fam. And this guy was mad racist as well. Someone <laughs> no war supporter. Oh. There was a there was an Asian don. There was an Asian um supervisor at that time in the store. And his last name wasn't Patel, but because he's Asian, he always used to call him his first name Patel. <laughs> and obviously the guy got vexed and it's like you're being racist my name is Dr. Patel 
and then the guy got flustered because he didn't expect to be pulled up on it like that. Mm. Yeah, but he left. Smell, bro. Um, yeah, it's hard out here. It's hard out here for a pimp. It's cold in these streets. Cold in these streets. Yeah. Anyway, what, what, are we, what are we chopping up? So, we're going to have a wrestling-inspired episode today. A wrestling-inspired episode. Okay. Yeah. We're going to start with the old school, move to the new school. Oh. Wow. So I first, wrestling in such a long time. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, this, this this first name, I'm sure that you'll, you'll recognize. Jeff Hardy? Yep. Yeah, you know about I'm Jeff Hardy. A, I'm having to do a quick little Google search, though. Jeff Hardy. You know, Hardy Boys, Swan Tom Bomb, Twist of Fate. You know, I was never the biggest Jeff Hardy fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. But I know people used to love that Swan Tom Bomb. Swan Tom Bomb was probably like the fifth most gas moving wrestling when we were younger. I feel like it went the stunner, people's elbow, rock bottom, mm. choke slam, Swan Tom Bomb. Ah. <sighs> Well, Jeff, Mr. Jeff Hardy has had a bit of a checkered history when it comes to substance abuse. Oh. And he, he likes a little bit of the drink, a little bit of the drugs. And it's been getting him in trouble with, in, in his career for many, many years. Like this guy would, would come, to, come to matches high, not be able to perform, get everyone vexed. When you're making that kind of money and you're that kind of person living that rock and roll lifestyle, it gets to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So currently, Jeff Hardy was with another wrestling company called AEW, uh-huh. which is like WWE's like rival right now. It's sick, bro. It's sick. Um, but a couple of days ago, he got arrested for being under the influence on a revoked driver's license. Oh right. uh, yeah, and he was he he was like three times over the alcohol limit. So he got in trouble. And um yeah, yeah. So like I said, substance substance abuse was something that he's been struggling with. And so the company had to, you know, pull him from the match that he was gonna be in. Oh and they had to um, issue a statement saying that, you know, um as of now, Jeff Hardy suspended without pay. Um, we're going to try and get him help. Da, 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 da. But yeah. And obviously, because his, 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 his brother Matt Hardy's there as well. Mm-hmm. And so now Jeff Hardy's boiling the thing for Matt because they're like a duo at the moment. And so they're supposed to be like a tag team match. Yeah. But, 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 but because Jeff got, got, got cancelled, Matt Hardy lost the job. They might have, might have even won the title, but we'll never know now. That's stress. And. Uh, yeah, so like Jeff Hardy, yeah, he's 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 been he's had a drug problem, alcohol problem for years and years and years. He's been given help. He's gone to rehab, all of that stuff, coming in and out of, of, of wrestling, and it just got me thinking. Like when someone has a problem, um, how much grace should you give them if we're like, all right, you know what, maybe you should just stop. Maybe you know the limelight or this position of prominence is not for you. Oh. And then is there ever coming back from that and say, okay, if you've had enough time on the sidelines, you can come back now. Are we talking 
in a Christian context or yes. secular or in a Christian context. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's that's an interesting question. I think a blanket re- response that I would give, and this is one of the few times that I'd give a blanket response, is if anyone's caught in a, if anyone is struggling with a particular um, sin that is. I was going to say that has like a public facing presentation. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't even think that that should be the requirement. Um, Cause even if it's just like masturbation, that's not, there's no public facing presentation of that. Um, that's just something you do. And then you kind of go out and do what you're doing. Um, but I do think that, there should be a period of stepping back from positions. If you are in a place, if you're in a position of power, there should be a stepping away from it. Um, I think it's always healthy to step away if you're struggling with something to recalibrate, to to submit to, to eldership, to submit to prayers and submit to the, like, accountability and people around you and get yourself into a healthy space um you are no good leading people from a place of of like active struggle with a particular sin um whether private or public um living double lives now there there is space for like um sharing your, your brokenness in appropriate times and spacing and into appropriate measures but there is a real danger of firstly your integrity being questioned mm. um as to why like you were you're going through this or you're struggling with this and yet you're standing up on a sunday acting like everything is cool well or however your ministry fleshes out um there is a real question around integrity and there's a real question around how fit for purpose you are in trying to deal with this on top of what your ministry is. Um, Define fit for purpose. So fit for purpose is if you're struggling, let's just say you're struggling with masturbation and that, that's, that's a real problem that you're mm-hmm. going through at the moment. Um, fit for purpose is how well are you able to really focus on what your ministry is and um, give it your all when there is this inner conviction and this inner brokenness as to what what it is that you're dealing with. Can I just, just yeah, go for it. Masturbation helps clear your mind, so maybe it helps you be <laughs> <laughs> clearer about what your, your ministry your life. And Most you know clarity. Do you know what? Um, yeah. It's, it's like, it is not, it's not so much the, the physical effects of whatever it is, because there, there is a, there is a massive difference between masturbation and taking drugs or masturbation and drinking alcohol or masturbation and self-harming or whatever two things you want to compare. But I think it's the, it's the spiritual toll and the, and the mental, emotional toll it takes on you. Mm that then impedes how well you're able to do things. Because if you're right, if you're about to write a sermon, for example, and 
you've literally just rubbed one out and then you try to sit down to write this sermon. Like if the weight of that doesn't impede you writing that sermon, you're tapped. <laughs> like facts, you're, like there's something wrong. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's more so what I'm speaking about rather than, um, so e- even if you're about to lead a youth group, arguably you might, you might say, oh, ecstasy will give me the energy to stand in front of these kids and be all lively and blah, 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 and this and that. Um, but we know that that's problematic. You're taking drugs to give you the energy to go lead youth. Is caffeine an okay drug to to, um, to use before going to lead youth? Do you know what? Like I, this is part of the reason why I don't drink <clears throat> caffeine in coffee. I guess you could argue about like fizzy drinks and stuff like that. Um, but it's ah, yeah. This then this this is this is really touching into like ethics and morality and stuff. Um, for the most part. Caffeine is is condoned, but people do have problems with with coffee. Um, cigarettes are condoned too. Cigarettes are uh, not in church. You think so? Yeah, at least not in black and brown churches. Yeah, well, black and brown people don't be smoking cigarettes and like like they, like that anyway. Um, not really. They be smoking the good stuff. Yeah, come on. Rav, I was, um, we came by your ends yesterday looking for Smackburger, but it was too late. There was just one, uh, one Mercedes. These guys were just sucking up balloons, smoking all the come weed on. in the car, bro. <laughs> come on. Speaking of just the burger. <laughs> you man got something else. No, we didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, for me is not so. Yes, there are the physical implications of taking drugs and struggling with something, um, but for me is more so the um, mental, emotional, character, integrity damage that it does to your leadership and to yourself in that position of leadership that I am concerned about. Um, so, what do you say about someone who was having doubts about their leadership ability? Should, should, should like someone like that step down from leadership as well, or is is that something that's okay to struggle with whilst continuing to lead? I think that that is very subjective, um, because for some people they may have been pushed into a leadership position without actually being trained for it, mm. and so their doubts and their worries for it are actually warranted and legitimate because they don't have the support, they don't have the training, they don't have what they need to do that role sufficiently. And for them, I will say step down. Um, regardless of whatever your reasoning was to start this ministry because it's been given to you, um, the church is not yours, the church is God's. Mm. So you can trust in God to, to raise the right people, to move things around and, and stuff like that. Um, if you feel like the pressure is yours and you do need to step up to the plate, then the emphasis shifts dramatically from stepping down to pulling other people up to support you 
and and like finding a really tight and support um and good support network people who can give you feedback who can help you grow who can like walk with you um if you are doubting your capacity to lead because of something because of something else in terms of um you're going through something or whatever then i'll say yeah peace of mind let's let's step away let's deal with it and come back the the church shouldn't be on just one person's shoulders different ministries shouldn't just be on one person's shoulders it should be it should be a collective effort um that's that's my in my immediate thoughts anyways Mm. i I think it is subjective and the reason why you're feeling that it needs to be addressed and then a recommendation made based off of that because if it's just imposter syndrome then then we need to take tangible steps to overcome that but if there are legitimate reasons why you feel your leadership has been undermined or you're not ready for it or you're carrying a weight that is too heavy for you then the question then becomes um how do we um reevaluate these responsibilities and roles and put you in a space where it's actually healthy for you to be in and healthy for the congregation to interact with you from um yeah that that would be that would be how i approach it mm. yeah and and with the leadership around this person who might need to step back for something mm. how is or how is or how should this issue be addressed if at all in such a way that when this person comes back they're not viewed as like damaged goods mm. because like i know like for me personally mm-hmm. um i find it hard to say no when, when, when people ask me to do stuff mm. because I, I never want to say no no because like it, 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 in the back of my mind i feel like in me saying no this person will think that I'm limited in my abilities. And so mm. they, they, they might they might stop coming to me for help because they think, oh, rough. You can only do so much. Maybe well, you can only do so much. Yeah, but I know that my but I don't want people to feel like my capacity is less than it is. Okay. I mean that's the ego thing, but I like Probably. being I like being the reliable one. But I mean. At, a, at what expense? Um, I one one easy thing that could be done is, oh, Bobby, could you could you run this? Just walk the person through the list of stuff that you're doing, and just be like, yo, I can't. I'm doing X, Y, Z, and these are all like my capacities taken here. Depending on how close you are with this person and how relevant this person is in your life. Um, for some people, I'll just be like, no, nah, I can't, sorry. But if there's like a weight to this person and this relationship is significant, I would break it down to be like, all right, these are the reasons why I can't. Mm. Just so it doesn't seem as though I just don't want to do it or whatever. But they're like actual things in place that I can't do it. Because, um, yeah, and in terms of someone having to step down, and then when they step, when they come back to the leadership, step away, step away, and then coming back to it, not being viewed as less than, I think that that would be a direct reflection on the culture of the church, the mm. culture of the environment, and the culture that other leaders are setting. 
So it's, it's a cultural thing within the church mm. where it's if they view rest as being important, if they view capacity, like knowing your capacity as being important, if they if they like like Sabbath and all of those, if they actually view these things as being important, then in as much as some people may question, hopefully it will be an easier shift to be like, oh, this is a season of rest for this person. They're just going to focus on other things, do other things, blah, blah, blah. When the time is right, they'll come back. Yeah, I feel like gossip is so strife for the church. They'll be thinking, oh, bruv, he's had an affair. He's had... <laughs> and, and I guess you could, again, take it, grabbing a ball by the horns, the leadership would just be like, there's nothing untowards. He just needs a rest. Or like he's going through some kind of like, yeah, I know, I know. Like you don't necessarily need to air out dirty laundry or give the congregation a full fullness of, of what's happening. But just be like, yo, like, yeah, he's having to step back. Um, nothing untowards has happened. This and that. He just needs time to just rest and recuperate. And he'll be back when he's ready. Mm. Um, so we're going to keep him in our prayers. He's still going to be here. He's still going to be like engaging with us and stuff like that. Now, if it's something heinous, heinous then I, I would encourage the leaders to be like, I mean, if, <laughs> if a pastor or a leader was having an affair with somebody else in the church, firstly, they need to get kicked out. Yeah. They need to get kicked out. And I would make it clear. I would let the congregation know, bro, boom, like this is the reason he's been kicked out. Um, and to re-emphasize that this isn't the gospel, this isn't what we're doing here. Like, no, this, this can't run. Um, he's being excommunicated for these reasons. And with um, excommunication, is that for a time or is that forever? Um, depend, depends on the, on the nature of it. Um, like, there was a, in one of the churches that I was in, I'm going to keep it very ambiguous. In one of the churches that I was in, they wanted a youth pastor and a guy um, applied and the guy sailed through, like he sailed through everything. They had asked him for references and he was delaying of the references. So the pastor in charge did like went and did his own research and then contacted the old church that this person was at. And the old church was like, yo, that did this guy seriously apply for another job? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he's passed it. We just need references. Only for the, the old church to say, this guy had had an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Oh. And then he was kicked out of the church. He, he was allowed to resign under the understanding that he was not going to apply for another youth position. So they didn't, they didn't want to like tarnish him or anything. They were like, yo, we're going to allow you to resign under this understanding. He was like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Two twos, you applied to another youth position and you almost got it. <laughs> but for God. <laughs> you know, like that. That man would have had one, not like one, any dirty guy leading up their youth ministry. 
Um, and yeah. it's, it's reasons like this where I'm just like, I would rather make it clear. Obviously, this guy had like jumped counties or whatever. Like he was in a different place in England and he moved over to wherever that church was and was trying to apply there. And so there was a geographical distance. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I would make clear. And it almost following in Paul's footsteps when he confronted Peter in front of the whole group when in um, he wrote about it in Galatians, I believe, where Paul wasn't eating with the Gentiles as soon as the Jews came through. Peter wasn't. Um, yeah, Peter wasn't eating with the Gentiles as soon as the Jews came through. So Paul yeah. pulled him up on it. Um, I, I would follow in those in those footsteps when someone is doing something that is impeding, that is he's doing it openly. And other people almost looking at it like, oh right, if my man can do it, I can do it. You know, like that. If you're a leader and you're pressing to get up in the church, obviously man, man can do that as well. Nah, fam, you can't do that. He's a waste man. He's getting turfed out. If you do it, you're getting turfed out. Simple stuff. Um, so it depends on how how much of a how open it is for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they're having marital issues and stuff, then man ain't gonna uh, air that out. Yeah. But if, I feel like, like yeah. if it's if it's a, a, a safeguarding issue, then it should be enough to the church because. You never know how um how deep that safeguarding issue runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm hesitant to say yes, but I do agree. I'm hesitant because again, in the in the in the um case of this guy having inappropriate relations with a minor, we now have the minor to protect. Um, even I even as we seek to expose this guy and expose how bad it is. We still need to protect the minor from whatever. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, backlash kind of so, comes so, back from that. So, so, so I think that I, I see it from a place that there's one minor that we know of. It might yes. have been two or three in the yeah. church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so my my thing is, I would still want to share it, but I would try to do it in a way that doesn't put a spotlight on whoever the minor is. Mm. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, and again, so in, in, in the case of like with a minor, I would highlight, I would emphasize, yo, like kids, it's inappropriate for anyone on our team to be doing anything sexual or like whether directly, whether in, implied, whatever, it's highly inappropriate. And we take it seriously if someone does that. If there has been any cases, blah, 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 let us know. Like, and if anyone is trying to do that or you feel like any person of the leadership is trying to make sexual advances towards you, flag it up. If we don't, if you flag it up to someone and they don't take it seriously, go to the police straight. Yeah. Um, like I would make these emphasis, these, these statements to be like, yo, clean, clear cut. We're not trying to do this. Um, certain things I'm just like, we're not going to play around with. We're not going to try entertain. We're not, nah, go to the police. Fam, it's above me now. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that, like, especially when it comes to youth, that there's a culture of understanding that 
you should it shouldn't be alone with an adult at any time for any reason. Facts. Facts. Um, like, like it might be different at school or outside of here, but in church, don't ever be alone with someone. Um, and there might be, and like it might happen like innocently or like like someone's helping pack pack some stuff. But as mm. a principal, don't be alone with someone. Yeah, and like if someone is trying to get you to be alone, go and tell someone. Um. Because it's it's so wild how both men and women, just people, abuse that position of trust, especially around kids. Yeah. Um, and more time, it's the people you least expect. You're very vigilant around a stranger, but you're not around people like ministers and stuff like that. Yo, for me, anyone well, eagle-eyed on anyone, and none of this it could be our little secret <laughs> so facts like with 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 Leia I was specifically told uh, in our family we don't keep secrets we only keep surprises mm. so if someone is planning a surprise that we don't tell if someone says this is a secret you need to tell me your mommy yeah like we don't do secrets. We only do surprises. Um, and I think that culture at home is important because mm. if kids feel like they can't come to their parents and tell them these kind of things yeah. without getting blamed, what do you do? Fam? Or you're lying. <laughs> Fam? Then and that's when they be looking for parent figures and people they shouldn't be looking for these figures. Yeah, in. do you know what? Yeah, it's mad because it's like, the way these things just play out sometimes is crazy. It's crazy. And it's also, from our perspective, is not seeing any one person as being above or immune to any particular sin. Yeah. Just recognising that everyone can do anything and at any given moment in time, it's not, it's not necessarily being suspicious of everyone and just be like, oh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not surprised in it. But not ruling out any particular sin when it comes to anybody. Because we all fall short. We all fall short. Um, and we all can get ensnared in, in a madness. In a madness. So, yeah, that's for me. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. How would you, if, if you were in leadership, how would you approach, firstly, how would you approach you, your capacity based off of just what you've just said? How would you navigate having safeguards to ensure that you're not stretching yourself too thin? Um, and how would you go about working with others to ensure the same? In terms of, wait, um, can you... So in terms of your, your capacity, so when people are asking you to do stuff, okay. So it's, it's not it's not being caught in in a sin, but your capacity to do things. Mm. How would you ensure that you're not overstretched? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm in this funny place at the moment where you know I'm in church, starting slowly, mm. starting to serve and stuff. You know, done a sermon, I've done pre communion talk. I've done kids ministry stuff mm. and 
I've done worship a couple times too. Um, when it comes to worship, I know that's my kryptonite. Mm. So um, I've purposely not joined the worship team. <laughs> mm. And the times I've done worship was when there wasn't anyone else to do worship. Mm. And so it's kind of like, kind of like a, I feel like I'm a Jariah where like, I'm part of the Lee Village, but I'm not in the Lee Village like that. Mm. You know, I'm gallivanting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, at least for now, that's my safeguard by not, um, by not um, committing. Mm. Uh, because I know me, I, I, I've done it. I'll, I'll, I'll be up there every week. <laughs> yeah. uh, with other stuff, it's cool. Like uh, with like with like children's ministry and youth ministry, um, there's a rota and they make sure and they, they try to make sure that everyone's only on there like once or twice a month. Mm. Um, so that everyone gets a chance to do it, but also a chance to just be in the service. It's really good. Yeah. Um, it's the same with like um, worship, worship music ministry as well. Mm. But I've been seeing the same few people up there on that stage a few times. I was like, oh, I want to get sucked into that system right now. <laughs> right yeah. Now. How, what, what, what signs for you? would indicate that you're stretching yourself too thin? If I start to feel myself feeling resentful in, in the preparation time for, 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 for what mm. I'm doing. Okay. Okay. Do you think yeah. Drea would flag it up if you're stretching yourself too thin as well? I think she'll talk to me. I'd probably like brush it up and say, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. I was about to say, would you listen? <laughs> um, probably not. Because I no. think that there's something about, um, Drea's got a real heart for God, as yeah. do all of our wives. Um, and so it's like, if, it, if it's for God, there, there may be a bit more of an allowance to almost be like, oh, but it's for God. Um, yeah. So if if she starts to talk to you, then it's almost like, bro, you've you've hit that allowance and then some, you know, like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like with me, I'm the kind of person where I'd rather like do too much and then have to go into recovery mode than just just about hit the limit, but then mm. not, not go through it. Nah, that's where me and you differ. I always think about longevity and consistency. And so if I commit to something, I'm always, I'm not committing for just the next couple of weeks. I'm almost envisioning a long term. Mm. So I'm like, is this sustainable? Unless it's been clear cut that the long term is just, you're doing this for two weeks. Then it's like, all right, cool. I've got just two weeks. Man can try to bang it out. But if if I get into a ministry or get into something, I'm always thinking long term. Do I do I think I have the capacity to run this? If I can't do it right now, and the stuff that I'm doing, some of it needs to go. But I feel like everything is important. Then you can't come here. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I think for a long time I was just used to being burnt out while serving. Mm. And so I just got used to that, used to serving like that's that. That's wild. <laughs> that's um, wild. And it was no one's fault. Like, 
if he wants, if he wants me to do something, I'll, I'll do it. Um, but I do think there is something in taking care of the people who are serving. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, like you're saying with churches, there's almost like uh, you can't say no culture. Yeah. So I think that as leadership, it's, it's important to, to um, put things in place so that you, you don't have to ask in the first place for people to feel guilty about saying no. Do you know what? Like I have got... I've I've got like um a protocol that I always advise people on. So even when I was working in churches, I was like, yo, if XYZ asks you to do something, I know that your initial tendency will be to say yes. Stop yourself and just say, oh, let me just check to see if I can make it. Or oh, let me think about it. Mm. Even if you know that you're going to say yes, just be like, let me think about it. Um, and I'll message you. So that way you've you've given yourself a little get out clause. Yeah. And it may even be a case of, oh, I, I need to know right now so I can, cool, let me go check my diary, my calendar and see what I want. And I'll message you by whatever time. And then you can just go home and then, from the comfort of behind your phone where you're not face-to-face with this person, you can then say, actually, I can't do it. Mm. Which is easier to text someone, no, I can't do it, than to sometimes to say it to their face. Yeah. So that then gives you the space to be like, no, I can't do it, without having to see their disappointment on their face. Come more time, they're asking you because they don't have anybody else. Yeah. Um, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. It's true. But God will always make a way. Come on. There will always be a... Well, not always. Sometimes you just have to take the L. But God is still in control. Come on. God is still so good. The, the, back to, to the first part of the question. If you were caught, if you were in the bowels of, of a sin, whatever sin you, you pick, whatever sin you choose, um, and... Would you feel it necessary to step down? Would you feel what would your natural tendency be? Would it be to just try plow through and hope that you kind of get around it, step down? Like what 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 would you how would you approach that? Uh honestly, I feel like I would try and sort out the problem whilst I was still serving. And do you know what? I reckon I'd do the same too. I reckon I do the same too. Yeah. And the main reason, and I just I've taken the question, but the main reason is as as a as a human, like it's not it's not like it's a cycle or a pan, but there'll be different things that trip you up. Yeah. Over the course of your life. And if you're stepping down every time something trips you up, you might as well stay down. <laughs> you might as well you might as well not go not get back into it. Um, but at the same time, I think there'll almost be a threshold that I would need to have in place that if something hits this threshold, I will step down. Mm. And so anything beneath, below that threshold, I'll be like, I'll try to work, work it through, have a healthy support network, people I can talk to, blah, 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 even as I'm doing what I'm doing. 
um let's take a practical thing like um man randomly just starts watching porn if it's like uh, i slipped into it this week and then i'll call up that i was in it again next week i'll be like okay this is becoming a pattern Mm. i'm not gonna stop what i'm doing because i because this is becoming a pattern i will try stop it but if i realize that the frequency is becoming higher the the pull and stuff is becoming more then I'll be like, there, there may be a certain number if it's like more than three times in a week. Consistently for a little while, I'll be like, all right, I may need to, to do something about this in terms of, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, porn might not be the best of examples, but it has a different threshold. It's a good example, but, but that's why it's important to have a support system where you can talk yeah. to people about this kind of thing and, and feel yeah. safe talking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would have criteria for different things. Um, like a, ma- a major criteria for me is if if it starts to impede, if it starts to affect negatively um, on my marriage, mm. then that's almost like life support. Everything else needs to get shut down to ensure that the heart is still pumping. Yeah if anything starts to, any sin or whatever starts to impede on the marriage, lock off, ministry done, like, man needs to make sure that the family is good. Um, like, I've, I've, I've told bosses that if, if this job starts to impede on my presence at home, I'm out. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm not here, I'm not here for it. If my wife is sick at home and you're like, no, you need to run youth group, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> And it might not be I'm quitting my job, but I'm out on that night because my wife is sick at home. Yeah. Like, I'm there. Um, so, yeah, any, any sin that is starting to have a real negative impact on the marriage or any um, ministry requirement that starts to negatively impact my marriage, I'm cutting it out. Mm. Marriage and family, I should say. Marriage and, and like, kids. Kind of out. Yeah. Well, I think we're talking about it for an hour now. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah, we'll be able yeah, to talk about, about second subjects. We'll save it for another day because, you know, it, maybe people will be back and we can be very misogynistic as we talk about it. Yay. It's a great subject. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was. was Hookups. I liked it. Hookups. So I have been watching um my hero academia mm, that's ultra the thing yeah i've been watching my hero academia so i've got yeah 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 i've, I've, I've been i've been brought into the crunchy roll world mm. yeah 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 so i've been i've been banging through it um i'm only on season two i've almost got okay. netflix or well, netflix only has season one so i bang through season one and then I come on Crunchyroll and I realise that them men are on season five. Yeah. I'm like, yo, man's four seasons behind. <laughs> so yeah, I'm banging through season two at the moment. And I have to admit, like, man's learning lessons from this. You know? Man's learning life lessons <laughs> from this. I can't lie. Deku, yeah? He's that guy, you know? So yeah. Um, my Hero Academia is my, my hookup. Just watching that. So yeah, I'm nice. Cool. Uh, my hookup is a film currently on Netflix. Very old film, not old film, like 2015, 2016. Um, Legend. 
starring Tom the... Hardy. Okay. Starring Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy as the Kray Twins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just telling the story about the Kray Twins who are like these these like gangster twins. I think they were twins. Or they were definitely brothers. No, they were twins. Twins um, from like East London. Oh. And their time taking over the world and the rise and the fall of them. Come so, on. Yeah, like he plays both the twins. Yeah, oh, yeah I they, think they, I heard of that film. They're called the Cray Twins, obviously the twins. So I was thinking. <laughs> um, yeah. And like the twins are like so different and he plays them both so sick. Sick. Would, would we say both of the twins or would we just say the twins? Because does both of the twins mean two sets of twins? No, two two different twins. No, because 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 like, you you could say one of the twins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if it's just one of the twins, it's one of the twins. If it's both. Yeah. The twins. But then if it's both the twins, then you just say the twins. Yeah. So if we say both of the twins, do we mean two sets of twins? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think so. I think if you said a couple of twins, then that's yeah, two twins. Yeah. That's two twins. Okay. Um, okay. Touche. Yeah, cool. All right, that's it. Yeah, Let's get out of here. Shout out to yeah, for the intro outro music, Calvin Turner for the ordinary amazing logo. Find us on Twitter at Finish UK, Instagram at TBS Furnace. You can email us at tbsfurnace.com. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash the Blacks Furnace no apostrophe. On all good podcast websites and apps, Blacks Furnace with an apostrophe. And that's it. Hopefully, Peter will be. More of a man and show his presence next week. Mm. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blow. Okay. <laughs>